I'm your host, Will Krebs, and this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. By the time you're listening to this, we are on 75 northbound, headed to Kentucky. Not me. I'm duck hunting and working. One and two. But me, Jim, Jordan, and my dad are going to be headed up to uh, up to Old Fort Campbell for a week, try and put us down some some deers up there in the Kentucky, Tennessee area, and visit some old friends of mine, and just have a good old time. But tonight in the studio, I'm joined by Briar. He, he's done. Hi, yeah. And Jim. Good evening. And uh, before we kick off our little shenanigans, just talking about the opening weekend of duck season, it has come around again that they are, the road through Point Washington WMA is still on the docket. So Jim, I'll let you go ahead and talk about that for a little bit. Yeah, I was, I was disturbed this morning getting out of the blind. I, I got a contact from some folks up there that are working on the issue that Walton County is has now moved that road back into what they call the needs plan for the Walton County Mobility Plan. Um, and if you listen to this podcast, I'd like you to pull up Google Maps real quick and just type in Eastern Lake, Florida. Because if you type in Eastern Lake, Florida, and you look about one quarter, one-tenth to one-quarter of a mile east of Eastern Lake, you'll see that there's a power line uh, access where the high tension wires run through power line easement, power line easement. Thank you. Alabama power, Alabama power owns an easement and they have since the 1960s. But if you back out and you go, you back out a little ways in Google maps, you'll see that that is running down the largest, uh, otherwise unbroken part of the forest. And it's right smack through the middle of point Washington WMA. Well, at any rate, they want to put a road right down next to that power line easement and not just some small little two lane road. We're talking I'll bet there's uh, some wood ducks in there. Yeah, two two to four lanes <laughs> with, with two to four lanes with alternative uh you know uh, golf cart routes and all kinds of stuff through there. So it's a pretty good sized development. And uh it's supposed to drive traffic from ninety eight to, to thirty, thirty A. But when you really take a look at that geographically, going back to Eastern Lake I mentioned that that's actually something called a coastal dune lake we're very fortunate we got 15 of them in florida and what makes coastal dune lakes special is they're actually uh, geologically carved out by wind over time coming off the gulf and then they fill up primarily with fresh water rainwater um, ground seepage etc occasionally there's brackish water because you get storms and things like that will cause an outflow and it creates a really unique uh, ecological environment that um, the only places that they're found are, you know, other really common places we'll all get to like Madagascar, New Zealand, Australia. Uh, there's like one or two in Oregon, but we have 15 of them here in Florida and Eastern Lake is one of them. And one of the main drainages is only one tenth of a mile from where they're talking about putting this, this road. So you're talking about blowing out of WMA. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, but breaking up the forest, you know, uh, segmenting the forest even further. Right. Uh, and, of course, as sportsmen, <clears throat> making it, you know, shrinking shrinking the area that we get to do what we'd love to do in by that much more. Um, so long story short is they've put this now in the needs plan 
It's not in the needs plan until 2045. And that may sound like, well, I don't have to worry about it. It's 2045. Man, it never ends. So this is state forest. It's set aside for all of us. And Walton County wants to drive a road right through it. And development is part of Florida. I understand that. I think we all agree that it is coming. It's a complex subject. But blowing out land that has been set aside by the state for wildlife, for outdoor recreation, once it's set aside, it ought to be sacrosanct because we've got plenty of other land that's ultimately uh, under threat of development. So anyway, long story short, uh, if you go to our Facebook page or our Facebook group page, Under Pressure Outdoors or Under Pressure Outdoors Nation, there's a link there. And from that link, you can either attend the phone call uh, and, and voice your concerns publicly on November 23rd, right? So just before Thanksgiving there, at 1 p.m. in the middle of the day is when they're doing this comment period. Or from that link, you'll also be able to attach to a link that you can just type your comment in. We've got a sample opposition comment on the website or on the Facebook page. You can just cut and paste that and put it in there. And everybody that makes a comment through the link, they have to read that into the public record. And then lastly, a little bit more background. This thing's been going on for a while. Um, Florida Forestry has voiced written, I shouldn't say voiced, has provided written opposition. The Department of Environmental Protection has provided written opposition. FWC has provided written opposition. Um, Audubon, SCI, Under Pressure Outdoors, uh, Ducks Unlimited, uh, United Waterfowlers, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, uh, even Defenders of Wildlife. There are so many other non-governmental organizations that have opposed this road. And even the local utility, I should say Alabama Power, has provided opposition to this road. Yet, for whatever reason, and I don't want to throw anybody into the bus, Walton County just keeps insisting that they have to have this road. Um, if you take a look at how some of the other zoning just north of 98 is laid out, kind of calls into question as to why somebody might want to put a road right through State Forest that dumps out right in front of a beach club, but I'll let the conspiracy theorists take it and run with that. Long story short, we just like you to act, voice some opposition. Took me five minutes to talk about the problem. It'll probably take you two to play your part to uh, effectively voice opposition to developing and ruining one of our state forests and WMAs. And I think we got a couple guys to be hunting up there this year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we have we we drew uh, permits for the the rifle hunt up there in Point Washington Wildlife Management Area. You take a guest on that one. You just can. Mm-hmm. Me and Jordan both have permits nice. for it. Hmm. So <laughs> hey, inviting myself to your hunt. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, Jim. Uh, I think you're gonna have to be Jordan's guest this time. Remember what happened last time? <laughs> you killed all the deer. I love being your guest, man. You got no, you got no permits? <laughs> yeah. No, sadly yeah. not. But. No tags. I'm in. Yeah. I don't yeah, know if I could make words. that trip. I would. Uh, I, I would here. love to. Uh, I'd love to see people turn that. Take that. Uh, the the comment. The uh, comment you been nice enough to type out and add to that Facebook post and copy and paste it, turn it into like a, make that comment section of that to look like a, a post when TWRA puts anything up on Facebook. But in there, have you, have you ever, you followed the, the issues going on with Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency? 
I've not, but you know, it just dawns no. on me by the time this podcast drops, it's going to be too late. Will be late. You know what? It won't be. If you make the comment, it won't be read into the public record. If you're listening to this podcast, take the time to still go make a comment. It won't be read into the public record, but the more people that post opposition, that link is still a public link. And the more opposition that we put up over the next 25 years, they're never going to remove it from the plan. If they remove it from the plan, it makes it so that they can never ask for funding. But what what we're doing is we're fighting a, a war of attrition where you just want to keep kicking this thing back and keeping this thing back and kicking this thing back. All of our opposition up to this date has already kicked it out to 2045. So the more you pile on, Maybe kicks kicked out to twenty fifty, then twenty fifty five, then twenty seventy. Yeah. You know, by then we're we're well past my life expectancy. I will be done fighting it by then. But it's not just about us. That's enough on that subject, I guess. So I'll say <clears throat> back to what I was talking about the uh, Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency. Now, don't get me wrong; I'm not very knowledgeable on all that's going on there, but I understand some of the grievances that that people have have come from the. Uh, the duck blind draw used to be an in-person event and uh, yeah. they switched it over to online during COVID oh, and now gosh. they refuse to go back. Um, <clears throat> there was towns would hold festivals for the duck blind draw around, you know, big lakes and stuff like that. Cause you would show up to, to draw for duck blinds. Uh, it was, you know, traditions and hunting is, uh, something very steeped in tradition. Um, so there's so a lot of people very upset about the fact that it's not an in-person draw anymore. So is uh, sleeping in the boat on open the morning now? Two years in a row? You can have it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a one and done for me. <laughs> I enjoy it a little bit once. Yeah. After that, I'm like, why did I do that? Got to get a good cot. You know, in the, A bigger the, boat. <laughs> a wider boat, yeah. No, I'm good with the length like well you either gotta we, go. me and jim didn't have so much stuff in there last night if we threw out decoys when we got there and all of them i'd have been perfectly fine how did you so my question is how did you feel knowing that you were less than a mile from the house and you're still sleeping in the boat less than a mile from the house or less less than a mile from matt's house and you're still yeah. sleeping in the boat yeah i didn't care i thought that thought crossed my mind but <laughs> did this old man brought an air mattress and a full-size bed pillow Oh, yeah. When I got that thing all laid out, even though I was on the front of his deck, I did conk out for probably You're a good solid it. two hours where I was I was out. <laughs> couldn't do it. Just yeah. could not sleep. Like, I was comfortable and everything. Couldn't sleep. We slept last year. Uh, of course, we drove uh, two hours from where, you know, we live now and then drove 45 minutes well, I think we I think we planned to, oh, we, dude, that wasn't that far of a ride. It's it, it seemed like about that far in the, in the dark. Anyway, we had planned to go there and sleep in the truck at the ramp. Yeah. And then we showed up, and there were already five other boats, empty five other trailers. trucks with empty trailers sitting there. <laughs> we're like, wait a second. We might need to get going. Yeah. So at that point. And I think we, another uh, trailer, I think another boat pulled up and dropped in. And we're yeah. like, okay, it's time to go. At that point, we, we piled in the boats and headed off down to where we were going to hunt and slept. And it rained that night. <laughs> it did. I was dry. I was too. I stayed dry. Good rain gear makes all the difference. In the oh world. yeah. Oh yeah. 
I hope you got good rain gear, Jim. It's supposed oh, to rain where in Kentucky. I got first couple days gear. we're hunting. Jim yeah. brought it out the first flight. I did, man. I got the first light storm. I don't know what the products are. I'm not a first light endorser, but, uh, or what do you call it? I'm not on their pro staff or anything, though. I got to say they make really great gear. But that storm seek or whatever jacket that they got. I sat in Arkansas and it was like Forrest Gump rain last year. <laughs> Our days, you know, I, you know, a big, big old fat rain, little bit of rain, it even rained upside down or whatever he said. And that thing kept me dry. So I'll be that way. But I want to back up a little bit back to what you were saying about Tennessee, where they're having problems with the festivals and the, the draws. Mm-hmm. And what I heard you say might be not what, what you were intending, but it sounds like they used to do them at different, Different areas throughout Tennessee. Correct. And you'd go to yeah. your local area that you wanted to hunt. Correct. And you had to be present to win, so to speak. Correct. So that definitely would have benefited your more local hunters, right? If you're local to the area, you'd go down there and do your own draw. But or it, if you wanted to hunt an area, you had to actually go down there and visit the area. And now it sounds like they're doing it so I could, in theory, I could sit back here from Florida and apply for that thing, right? You could. Right. Yeah. So you're essentially then making it, you're adding more challenge to the local hunters or, or th- potentially reducing their odds of drawing because now, like you said, a guy from Florida who is not going to drive up there to visit the festival yeah. can still apply to get tagged. Well, this is like a big thing for like Real Foot Lake too, wasn't it? Yes. Real Foot Lake is, I mean, it's I can see it being a lot of tradition and a lot of people put in from Real Foot Lake and drive from Florida. Probably too good for that draw. And draw this this is not something like you're showing up a week before duck season. This is something you take a weekend, months ahead. Yeah, go and draw your thing. Go to the duck blind festival or whatever. And you draw that blind for the season, correct? Yes, I do believe so. Yeah, but I can see why. But people that are local to that area would be furious that they're doing that. I think a deal. But a guy like me might say, "Oh, I'll just get online and apply." Yeah, I mean, I, I I can understand both sides. I mean, it's like if they did a, a something like that for a draw for Emerelda, and you can put it in online online, and I wanted to draw Emerelda, and you know everybody out of states drawing Emerelda, and I'm not, you know, so I can see why. So Tennessee's got a uh, thing, and I I'm, I am talking on my very limited knowledge on yeah. how their things working, man. If you have expansive knowledge and you're listening to this on how the Tennessee draw system used to work, how it works now, by all means, shoot us a message. I'd love to talk to you and figure it out. Um, but there are a lot of places up there um, where Briar, you, like Briar was talking about, you draw the blind, you draw the blind for the season. Yeah. But it, Isn't there's, there a no-show there's a thing, too? A what? Like a no-show That's deal. what I was about to get into. There, there's a deal somehow where if you don't show up to your blind – Anybody can hunt, hunt it. it or something like that. Yeah. Which I'm not sure how that works, but yeah. Interesting. And that, you know, but that also too, it's kind of hard to look at it from the way we see it now because we can't have those blinds out on public waterways. Yeah. Well, they, I think they were originally those blinds on Real Foot Lake. And I, I could be wrong. I, it was one of those things I kind of read in passing, so I may be wrong. But I think those blinds were built by, like, duck hunting clubs. I'm pretty sure at one time they were like, all private, yes. Like, bef- well before, mm-hmm. like, any regulation or stuff. Like, this is, like, before duck, like, back in the day. 
But yeah. the whole thing, the, and basis, then they became public blinds. My basis of saying that uh, when I talked about the comment section of the Point Washington thing yeah. is that if you get on any post that TWRA, TWRA makes to Facebook, if there, there's a copy and paste comment that is just over and over and over and over and over and over and over again about making the duck, the uh, duck blind draws in person. Yeah, and it's not it's not a it's not a uh, not a nasty comment. It's just a, a well-worded, and everybody who is frustrated about it has a copy of that, and they copy and paste it every time somebody, every time TWRA posts, and the whole comment section is just flooded with that. Hmm. Wow. Uh, people are pretty upset about it. I get it. Yeah. You know, and some of those things, so we've got a similar issue here that I, I think, I'm making an educated guess. I don't know this to be true, but um, regarding turkeys, there's some folks, especially down around Big Cypress, that have... Um, Raised concern that people chasing the Osceola turkey are coming to Florida, buying ticket, buying tags, uh, chasing Osceolas, and putting undue pressure on them in public land. Um, which, you know, when you think about that, like, well, of course, oh my gosh. So um, when, when the subject was raised, I actually reached out, this is uh, last year, to... Um, Paul Schrain, who is an absolute fantastic, he's a peach of a guy with FWC. He's the public hunting areas program coordinator. Um, always been, anytime I've ever asked him for anything, he's always been really responsive. And I asked him for data about, well, is that true? And the the short answer was, we, we don't know. Right. Or maybe the more accurate answer would be, we don't know, but we don't think so. And then he sent me a pile of data on, Turkey licenses, who purchases them, purchases, who purchases just a dedicated turkey license in Florida resident, and then how many are in, in combination licenses, like if you purchase Sportsman's Gold, they have no idea whether you hunted turkeys or not. Right. Right. Like now, chances are if you, if, gold. Yeah. If you, because there's a lot of guys that might have the Sportsman's Gold that are actually fishermen. They may not hunt at all. Right. But, or, or hunt very limitedly. Uh, and may not pursue turkeys at all, where somebody who went out and bought a turkey-only tag is probably chasing turkeys. Certainly somebody from out of state who comes and buys a turkey-only tag is chasing turkeys. But then there was no way to delineate whether or not they were hunting public or private, whether they were in special opportunity draws. They do limit the special opportunity draws. Where I'm going with this whole thing is the data wasn't there. But lo and behold, take a look at what they're doing. And FWC just had a big survey out about turkey management and harvest reporting and, yeah and yeah. I, I i would like to think didn't we attend that meeting because i'll say you asked something about this yes we did in that meeting we mm-hmm. did yeah i'd like to think that part of the reason that that data is being gathered is so that fw can see can indeed answer those questions and then would know whether an area is indeed receiving undue pressure from out-of-state hunters, which would then be disenfranchising local hunters, and then they could change the method or the odds at which out-of-state hunters have access to it if it's necessary. But frankly, taking a look at the data, oddly enough, believe it or not, uh, with rare exception, um, Tag draws from out-of-state folks has been pretty consistent for a long time. So um, I understand that how that's perceived. But again, even just that's the thing. It's dangerous to assume that that's the case because 
the number of tags may indeed be roughly the same, but if the focus of hunters has recently been in places like Big Cypress, that would be, you know, potentially dangerous to that area. So it's neat that FWC is looking at that and then putting things in place or potentially putting things in place that they would be able to have accurate data gathered over a number of years to know exactly what's happening. Right. It'd be interesting to see what they do with it if they do end up implementing it. I don't know that, that I hope they do. Because like when you when the, when you tag that deer, it wants to know when, where, what time, what zone, what area, all that all that stuff, the sex of the deer, yeah. so on and so forth. And it's all done on your phone. Yeah, I mean, I mean, as long as you have service, I don't see the the one thing, the one problem I had with, at the meeting they said is you had to have this harvest reported before you moved the bird, and. Uh, I was like, well, if you don't have self-service, that so you, you almost have to have the print copy, you know, instead of just being able to enter it on your phone. Like we're in Georgia, right? To report your your deer harvest, you have twenty four hours, right? Which is fine because you can go take care of your deer, get it get it to the processor, whatever process it yourself, and you know, and then get somewhere if you don't have if you're hunting where you don't have service, then you can get somewhere to have service. And take care of the animal first and then worry about. I can tell you this. In the state of Tennessee. Yeah. Or Kentucky both. You go to drop a deer off at a processor. You have to have a tag number. Or they won't take Oh, well, I'm not. I'm saying like, if it was a, no, yeah, a physical just, tag is different from reporting the harvest. No, no, no. You you report it. Still, and, they, and they give you, you the tag You still report on your phone and they give you a tag number. Georgia okay. is the same thing. They'll give you a tag, a harvest tag number. Okay. Um, and I'm surprised you don't see more processors ask for it. Yeah, I'm gonna say that one I did. I th- I think I had it process. I, I had it done before we got there. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he they didn't ask me. No, he's never asked me either. But it is an inconvenience to have to print out your paper tag and put it in your hunting bag or put it in your wallet. But as I say, I guess it is an additional inconvenience because you don't have to do that now. But as I say that it's an inconvenience, that seems like an exaggeration. Like that's not exactly a heavy lift. Well, I got to hit print. The, <laughs> yeah. the inconvenience there is keeping that somewhat dry and things like that. Agreed. That's yeah, you, that's the, the inconvenience. Because well, I mean, I will hunt in the rain. I don't care. Yeah, me too. So, and yeah. then my whole bag gets wet. That's the only thing. Make sure that that's dry and is. They do sell Ziplocs. Yeah. I mean, it's I mean, not. Uh, I keep some stuff in them, a few that are empty, yeah, yeah, in my bag just for that purpose. It is amazing how we will when, and I'm guilty of this too, right? When you, you all of a sudden you're, some new changes coming along that we perceive as being an inconvenience, that all of a sudden we start making a big deal. Like it, it seems like, oh my god, I have to carry a, I have to carry a paper tag just in case from the cell phone service. Well, what if it gets wet? Like oh my god! And, you know, yeah. well, so Ziploc. I mean, so I mean, and right. I'm not mocking you, Briar, because well, I, no, I my thing is thing. is like okay with all- like the alligator program, they they Plastic. did the online thing for reporting the harvest because the paper one got lost in the mail. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. could do it either way. You could either send the paper in or you can do it online. But they started doing it online because. This, the paper harvest report got lost in the mail all the time. Did you uh? Did you send your your tags back or your tag? Back? Yes, I did. 
Okay, good. Yeah. Because they'll come, they'll come find you if you don't. You, oh, yeah. That gives you get you this ticket. one right here. You get. Yeah. And where's my tag? And here's your ticket, sir. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, regarding tags, the worst story that I ever heard is uh, from Jason Gonder, who was the guy that showed up and cooked the pigs. Hopefully we're going to get him and the scouts in here to talk about the adventure they had out in New Mexico. But um, he was hunting in southern Illinois, the People's Republic of Illinois. <laughs> and shot a buck and uh as i understand if I, jason if you're listening and i butcher the story come on and you correct me but as i understand he shoots the buck and uh it dra- drags it out of some underbrush into an open field and then is proceeding to place his tag on the buck and as he's doing that a wildlife officer walks up and says so so you're dragging a deer yeah 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 like he's standing there with the tags in his hand, and uh, he's like, uh, "That deer's not tagged." He's like, "I, I, I know, I, I've got them right here. I'm, I just moved them from over there to over here." And and then the guy's like, "Well, and they're not signed." He's like, ah, "Yes." He goes, "Read that tag to me." He says, "They're not not valid unless it's signed." And so signed. Yeah. So he's like, oh, "I'm sorry." He's like, no problem. And then proceeds to issue him a rather hefty citation. Oh, my goodness. So, Man, it's, I'm sorry. With the tags in the hand, in the act of putting it in the deer. As an officer. But you dragged it 25 like, yards. If I was an officer, I'd be like, look, dude, here. Make sure that's signed. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, is that not hard? I'm sure the officer's got a pen in his pocket. My ear, dude, sign freaking. I don't that's know. My favorite. Uh, so, my favorite story dealing with a, with any kind of like fishing game officer thus far comes from this same weekend last Dove year. Hunt. No, when, when we were at, we were where we were. Oh, and you had to remind the officer to check our shotguns. No, when he's going through, he checks all the plugs. And then Matt says, uh, he says, officer, he says, I, I don't want to tell you this, but I got a shotgun in here in the case. I ain't got a plug in it. <laughs> and the FWC officer he was all cordial and just happy and talking to us, and then his mood just flipped. He says, all right, well, pull it out. Let me see it. Matt reaches in there and pulls the case out and pulls out his grandpa's single-shot 12-gauge. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, the funny thing, what was, like, you were, you were, y'all, y'all were over in Jordan's boat, um, like, putting stuff back or whatever, and he comes over to check me and Matt's shotgun. Well, Matt... He was just gonna use whatever. He was just gonna use whatever shells I had, which were you know three inch, new, no big deal. Matt's like here digging around. Oh, here's the two and three quarters and a three and a half inch gun. And dude, if and he was pushing on it, man. And I mean, it was like if he'd have got another eighth of an inch, I'd have been getting a ticket. <laughs> Can you well, remove? No. Do you know how to remove your factory plug? Yes. Okay, so at that point, I'd have just pulled the factory plug and said, "Bud." No, I did. I'm like, I was like. I was getting ready to. He was like, you're good. But I was like, it's got a plug in it, I swear. Yeah. I was getting ready to show him the plug. That's when you, that's when you start reloading them uh, inch and a half. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's easy. We tend to recant stories when the game warden or the wildlife officer didn't cut a person a break. Right. But you know, at the end of the day, even, I mean, even my buddy Jason's story, I mean, the rules are the rules. And you know the rules. And it does say sign the tag. And it says don't move the deer. Until your signed tag is in the deer, well, if you do that, it, it does seem like a minor. Well, let's face it; it is a minor infraction, right? 
Um, except there's people that will – where does it stop? When it's in your pickup truck, when you're driving into town. Right. When you're hauling out yeah. of your pickup truck to put it in a gamble or when it actually goes into your freezer and you never bother to tag it. Oh, and I didn't tag that one. I got away with it. Now I'm going back out again. Right. right. So I understand that it's up to the officer to provide that leniency. But we've also seen a recent example in Rock Springs where a very cordial and friendly officer cut a guy pretty solid break. You want to tell that story? Mm. Yeah. So my understanding of the story was is that the guy the guy had drawn several uh, hunts throughout the state of Florida in different management areas, and he had doe tags, I believe he said, from multiple management areas. Right across the street. A Seminole Forest? Yep. Oh, uh-huh. And he thought that he had doe tags for Rock Springs. Shot a fine doe. A fine Ooh. doe indeed. Yeah, four and a half years old. Yeah. Put a he saddle got on one. It. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh, he laid her down. This is rough. And then he realized, oh, shit. I was in Rock Springs. I don't have not doe tags. Seminole tag. Seminole. Yeah. Uh, but he had his doe tag with him. It was from the wrong WMA. Yeah. But uh, he brought Ooh. her back. He did the right thing. He brought her back to the check station, called the game warden, and he hung out there, and she came in and. Uh, checked his stuff and then and and cut him a break for being honest. Uh, yeah. she, you know, mistakes happen, and she let him keep his deer. So, oh man, yeah, yeah. And cut then him she a stood there. Break. She stood there the entire time and talked with me and Jim while he was skinning it. <laughs> cut while him Jim a was, huge was cleaning break. his. Dog. Oh my yeah. goodness, that's one lucky but fellow there. To, to be fair, she she asked him, "Have you ever had an infraction? Right? Yeah. Do you have any outstanding warrants? Have you had any run-ins with the law?" Yeah. And he could answer no, no, no. Yeah. And then, of course, after she asked him those questions and he answered those questions, she went and checked. Yeah. So here you've got an honest man with no criminal history who turned himself in for an error. Yeah. Self-reported, you know, and it was demonstrably, uh, demonstrably, I don't know if demonstrably is the right word, uh, an honest error. She saw it for that, and she she cut him a break. But now he's in the system as having get, gotten his his one freebie. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So, but I think that's fair, and that's where discretion is is wonderful. And I don't think that he, I don't think that he would have complained because he seemed like a pretty straight shooter. That if she had taken the deer and not sighted him, or even if she had sighted him, he he was willing to take his medicine. And I and I wish we had gotten his name because I was a pretty stand up dude. He could have snuck out. Yeah. Oh tried yeah. Tried to, but he didn't. Um, Man, I've, I, I've had more than one instance where an FWC officer has cut me a break. Yeah. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you a funny, funny story about an FWC officer cutting people breaks. <laughs> I did a ride along with FWC one time and, uh, we went down to the pier on the intercoastal on the, um, over by New Smyrna beach and right there underneath the Skyway bridge. Yep. We pull up in his truck and, uh, he says, now I want to tell you something before we get out. He said, I am not going to write anybody here a ticket unless there's a gross violation. He said, because you do not have to have the license to fish from the bank in salt water as a state resident in Florida is free. Technically, you're supposed to have a free permit. He's like, but I'm not going to write somebody a ticket over not having a free permit, a free license. So he said, but I want you to watch what happens. We get out of the truck. He just starts working his way down the line. Hey, how you doing today? Can I see your license? Oh, it's in the car. This and he says, okay, well, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to come back. You go get it. I'm going to come back to you. By the time we got to the end of that pier, turn around, everybody was gone. <laughs> they just left. 
And none of them had a license. And when we got out on the pier, there was a gentleman fishing who was not a Florida resident, did not have a license, and had three undersized sheephead. And he said, he said, he looks at sheephead. He said, "What's the uh, what's the legal length on sheephead?" He says, 10, 10 inches." And he says, "Ooh." He said, "Are you sure about that?" It's twelve inches, and they were eleven and eleven and a half. He says, "Look," <clears throat> he says, "I'm not going to ruin your vacation." He says, "I'm not going to write you a ticket." For not having a license or these undersized fish, he says. But don't keep any more underneath 12, under twelve inches. And he said, and don't fish tomorrow without a license. He said, you can keep fishing the rest of the day. If anybody gives you a problem, he said, you tell them. Officer blankety blank says you can fish the rest of the day. Here's my card. Have them call me. He said, you won't have any more problems. You keep fishing. Enjoy your vacation. Or you fish tomorrow if you're going to fish anymore. Buy a license. It's only whatever amount of money. And he said, okay, I appreciate it. And he went back to fishing. Turn around, everybody else gone, <laughs> gone. He's like, see, and they could have kept fishing. He said they didn't have to leave, but they just assumed they were going to get a ticket. Yeah. So they all left. He said, now he said the funny part about it is he said I know where they went. He said we could pick up and go over there. He said, but I don't feel like it. So we went somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like it. <laughs> they seen yeah. the ropes. Yeah. 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 He said it happens every time. And the funny, funniest part about it was is nobody ever got any warning because he was driving an unmarked truck. So he's just driving a, uh, <clears throat> I'm not going to say what it was, but he's driving an unmarked truck. So he pulls up. Nobody knows it's the game warden until he gets out of the vehicle. Yeah. Then it's like, oh, crap. But I've had plenty of run-ins with game wardens tonight. Well, I mean, I've had issues, but I've, I've never got a ticket. I've never had a reason to have a It was never FWC. FWC has always been... As long as you're not a complete jerk to them, FWCs. People rip on those men and women all the time. Yeah. And and because of the number of days that we spend in the woods and on the water, I believe that I have more casual encounters with FWC officers than than most folks. I've had, I mean, in 2021, I've had at least a half a dozen, right? Where just you're at a ramp and they want to come over or you're on your boat and they want to come over. Um, always very polite. Like, let's not start this off. Let's not give this guy a reason to be to look yeah, into right. us, you know. Um, and, and and again, we're not doing anything wrong, but I don't, I don't, I don't want to encourage. Chances are, if you come on my boat and you look hard enough, you'll find something that's not quite right. right. I mean, it's a wh- I if, I, if I make your anyway, so. yeah, if I make your <laughs> if I make your day as an officer bad, I'm gonna lose that. Yeah. Right, so they started off good, man, and, and they're always they've always been fantastic, oh, and yeah. then uh, more than willing to help and and, and provide education. Well, it's I mean, been great. Another thing, I mean, you remember when we took? I can't remember the kid. I'm terrible with names. Me and you went gator hunting with him on the St. John's. Oh, Manning. Yeah, we were where we, we we didn't realize we were not where we were supposed to be, and he cut us a pretty good break. Then. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, we we couldn't hunt there. Yeah, and then the next day we were coming out where we from where we were supposed to be. Yeah, and had a run in with another guy. Oh, he just wanted you? to make sure we had our tags and things like yeah. that. Of course, he sat there and chatted with us for half an hour. I'm like, all right, man, we'll see you later. We actually invited him to the pig roast. Yeah, he didn't yeah. make it. And I'm like, well, I'll see you later. And he said, no, let me see if you got tags. I was like, ah. <laughs> we had them all. <laughs> Except I had to be someplace. <laughs> so now we're going to start this running. <laughs> you could have led with that, but. I'll tell you. <laughs> I had a, speaking of that, I had a, uh, 
I had a run in with a TWRA officer at one time when I was fishing in Tennessee, standing on the bank fishing, and he walks up and we're just I just start I started the conversation. We going on, 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 on about fishing, hunting this, hunting that, hunting here, there, fishing over here, catching this, catching that. We talked for probably twenty minutes. I was like, All right, have a good day. And then I just walked off. And I get about seventy five yards away and I look back and he's standing there like, Oh shit. <laughs> I supposed to yeah. <laughs> he never checked my license or anything. <laughs> Because I look back and he's still standing in the same spot watching me, and I waved and kept on walking. He turned and went on to the next guy. He's like, oh, whatever. What happens? It's it's, just human error. I think they're pretty good at reading people. Oh, yeah. And picking up on those uh, maybe not even conscious clues when you're acting one degree off and like this guy's hiding something. I don't know what it is. It might be something like, I don't have my free saltwater fishing permit. Or it might be he's got a pound of cocaine in his car. Yeah. <laughs> it could be anything in there, you know. Well, they, you know they this say is that Florida, so yeah. they could be anything. Some of them square groupers. Uh, <laughs> you know they say that there's a very small percentage of people that present that uh, a small percentage of poachers commit a large percentage of the crime. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that too. It's not. It's not a. It, it's usually one or two people in it, like one or two people in a county that are doing most of the poaching, not a bunch of people poaching in that county. Yeah, I mean, we got stopped at the ramp one time with one, and he did not seem happy at first. But by the time we were leaving, yeah, friendly. I've joked with him, you know. Yeah. By the time we were leaving, at first I thought, oh man, we're getting a ticket to for, for sure. The way he like was like talking to us there in the beginning. And nobody was rude or nothing, but it was like right there at the end of the day, I think he was ready to go home. You talking about the guy over on Lake Harris? No, no, no. This was, uh, he was nice. Yeah. Then, um, this was uh, on the with Lacucci. Okay. That time we got stopped. And I guess I didn't get lucky. He didn't, I didn't realize we were in a no-wake zone. I learned you don't follow your brother in a no-wake zone. No, you don't. Bad idea. <laughs> but I learned that quick. All right, so. Man, today was the opening day of first phase of duck season. Yeah. I missed out. Uh, but miss, y'all went out. And, like, it was tough. You watched me. You, you missed watching me whiff on like a 25-yard shot at a bird that if I had I waited like, 10 more seconds, it would have been I could on have the water. Him. You could have took your time. And I like, blew it. Uh, I've done worse, Jim. Yeah. Believe me. Uh, me too. I had one uh, last year, last week in the season. I had four four wood ducks literally feet down ready to land would have been 10 yards in front of me and i had them just right there and i ran her to the plug and did not hit a single bird you know i was was telling him like sometimes it's wood ducks can be hard to read whether he's gonna light or flare and sometimes you almost end up gotta let a few of them go these birds just to were, learn that these birds were on the down navigating yeah. their way through the trees so they could get to the water. Yeah, and I ran her to the plug and didn't kill a thing. Well, we, <laughs> didn't, kill, didn't cut a feather. The, the place we were hunting, just the way that they were coming in, a lot of times you didn't get any warning until they popped over the trees and was like, "Whoa, ducks!" Mm-hmm. I mean, the one that I missed, we probably watched it like, dude, I, we watched there's a speck because a speck coming over the horizon, like that's a yeah. bird. I think that's a oh, duck. That's a duck. Hey man, is that a wood duck? That's a yeah, wood yeah, duck. That's a wood duck. Right? Holy shit, it's coming into the hole. 
and I'm stood up here, and whiffed. I, I mean, I had t- all like, day. Like, I'm not even paying attention to. The, I'm like, I'm halfway paying attention to the bird. I'm not paying attention at all to Jim, and I'm looking at the dog trying to get the, my dog to focus on this bird. In case one of us kills it, I'm like, Zeph, no, if she sees it, she's gonna go get it and make her second retrieve. Right. Of of her lifetime so far. So Jim stands and I'm like, all right, it's gonna get on the water. It's gonna get on the water. Jim stands up, boom, boom, to the plug, and I'm like, Oh man. <laughs> that bird was about to be in between me and you and on the water, and we'd have both waxed that sucker. <laughs> Oh, no, he wasn't going to be between me and you, man, but I, he was coming in. <laughs> Either that or he was going to be right in your front of your face on the water. And uh, it was a whole lifetime of skeet and trap shooting. I put that right out the door. I know I, I know <laughs> yeah. my second and third shots. And I think on the first shot, I think it was behind it because as I stood up, I was move, I was up, my body was already moving with the bird. But as yeah. I stood up, it started to accelerate. So it, I think it was behind it. And then the last two, I'm like watching it go away, pick a head up off the stock. And I'm replaying this in my head, and I'm like, you should never touch another shotgun again. I tell you, I, I have that. And I, shooting a decoy bird is seems to be just, I, I can't figure that one out. But a passing bird, son, like that hen ringneck I shot last year. Yeah. That just, I said. Dude, I did, one, I did one of those <laughs> right in front of the boat last year, and I shot two of them. Because it, it was after that, this sucker come in, and dude, and it was right off the end of the barrel. Bam! Shot that sucker. Come over and shoot the other one, and both birds fell. And I was like, "Yes!" Yep. <laughs> I've seen him do it bow fishing too, right underneath the boat, thirty feet away, can't hit the broadside of a barn. Having to turn around, shoot upside down, backhanded, boat drifting away, fish swimming away from you, and like the fifteen yards one. out, stones it. <laughs> <laughs> That's like I'm telling you that hen ringneck last year. Uh, oh yeah, you stoned that sucker. Oh, that hen ringneck last year. I I looked up and I said duck, and, I, and when I said duck, she was already dang near inside shooting range. She was like almost off right off the end. Like if you'd have missed that sucker, I'd have been like, dude, you need to quit hunting right now. Then you I can't shoot with her. Then I Nothing. proceeded to stand up and about touch the barrel to her beak and <laughs> dang near blew her head clean off when she yeah. went over top of the boat and she landed. Right behind us in the yeah. water. Dead as a doornail. But and then I've done that several times hunting that same hole in Georgia on the yeah. on our property up there where, you know, Jordan has water whacked a water whacked a hen or water whacked a wood duck and then I'll pick one off trying to climb up through the treetops. Yeah. Uh but I'm a pretty good water whacker now though. I mean yeah. my son gets it honest, I'll give him that. <laughs> but uh <laughs> so man, tell us the story of this uh, Liberty's first retrieve. I mean, Dude. from seeing the bird, shooting the bird, bird hit the water, dog. So, Give me the whole deal. Uh, apparently, they Matt said they lit on the water first and then picked up and flew around. Like, they picked up on the water a little ways from right from us. Yeah. And they so flew around. Have... And, I, well, I just happened to see. I didn't see him pick up off the water. I just turned around. I see two wood ducks. What, he's coming behind us. And I follow him around behind me. And they're heading toward where the team of mats was set up and they like 90 go in between both boats. And I mean the whole time they're about eye, just above eye level and all within range, but I'm waiting because when they make that 90, they're like cuffed up. They're fixing a lot on the water. So I'm just waiting and they happen to land 
in range of them. Well, they stand up, shoot. One, they shoot the first one. The other one is it was climbing up over the reeds. They wax that one. And I looked down at the dog, and she was about ready to. No, I, I sent her to go. I called her name. And then they. Anyways, and I look at her. And without even thinking, because I could tell, like, just the way that dog looked, she knew where that bird was. And I knew the whole time, if she seen the bird go down, she'd be able to do it. Yeah. And, dude, uh, she was, it's like she was on a string. That duck had a string and pulling her to it. I sent her out, <laughs> going straight in, straight, like, she did it like she'd been retrieving for 10 years. So not even you didn't even kill the bird. No, didn't even kill no. the bird. And actually, that's a good story too because the way those birds came in, if Briar and I had let go on them when they first broke the trees, just the way they came in, they were so low. We 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 might very well just the way the boats were kind of lined up. They Matt and Matt were slightly offset to us. So we we'd have been shooting right into them. They were far enough distance we wouldn't have killed them or anything like that. Right. But they they would they would not have been happy. Yeah. <laughs> like if you had done that to me, I, I might have shot back at you. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? So had to let the birds get clear. So yeah. Good on Briar to not pull the trigger in a potentially dangerous situation. You should being, seen, being you, aware. You should have seen Briar about three years ago. That sucker right there, Dagum, wax a dang dragonfly. You caught him at the right moment. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen somebody so jumpy. That first year, me and you really oh, yeah. started duck hunting when I came back. Dude, down I was we're, ready. we're sitting there, and uh, I'm like leaning down, and a big mosquito flies over, and Briar <laughs> jumps I'm like, Briar, it's a mosquito. <laughs> Just calm down. Woosa. Woosa. But, man, I tell you what, though, I mean, there are some mosquitoes down here in Florida that are about the size of a teal. Yeah. So, I mean, that's easy <laughs> <Yep>. mistake. <laughs> I tell yeah. you what, man, every now and again, just the way an anhingo will come in. If it, you know, if I was snap shooting, I'd have killed a few anhingas. Yeah, know? <laughs> Dude, I mean, if if you look the, at first, it, you almost got to wait because duck, especially ducks, don't really don't duck don't glide. Mm-mm. So if you're watching, especially when it's that little tiny speck out in the distance, a lot of times when you're barely seeing it and you can't really get a good shape of it. And it's especially if it's coming, it's really hard when it's coming at you. Yeah. Because you're not really seeing wing. You're just seeing the speck come at you. And if you are seeing a wing beat at certain times, you're seeing it flop. So you're like, kids, keep an eye on it. And then eventually, a lot of times, you'll see it glide. And you're like, okay, never mind. <laughs> what I was talking about with the Anhingas is actually, because the one time the ducks do glide is when they're locking up to land. That's it. When they get that hunched over yeah. classic, you know, they're well, so up, so what Meyer means by, up, yeah. by ducks don't glide is yeah, like they're in their flight. They can't they can't glide without losing altitude. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But explain what an inhinga is. Or snake bird, man. Yeah, cormorant. Snake Similar, bird. they're different birds. But yeah. yeah, yeah. Wish we'd had a season on those things. That's man, kind of you hate them things. <laughs> I bet they taste kin to a ganser. Well, actually, yeah, on the cormorants, I think that they did have a. I think they did actually not have a season on them, so to speak. But I think that a couple of years ago, I think that there was a culling of cormorants because they were really they were becoming 
problematic. Well, I, here that was a bird that so. was that was a bird that market hunted real heavy, wasn't it? Or am I thinking just ibis? Mm, I think I ibis know. were cormorants are more like saltwater snake birds. Okay, but I know South Carolina you could shoot them there for a while. I don't know if you still mm, can. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, South Carolina definitely had a culling of them, but man, you get it ain't it ain't, it ain't hard to tell what trees they roost in. <laughs> There's ten thousand of them. No, the covered. whole tree will be covered in just bird crap. I mean, the whole dang tree looks like it's covered in snow, yeah. just white bird crap. Phosphate mine in the making. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's nasty, yeah. but man, well, what other stories y'all got from this morning? Another great story is I spent ninety minutes, pretty much sitting, facing the same oh, direction that- towards the bow of the boat, <laughs> and we had a couple of crows come over, and you know me and crows, man, I can't resist them. And uh, I'm watching, and I just turned. And I'm, I'm telling you, the entire rotation took less than 10 seconds. Oh, yeah. And as soon as I'm 180 degrees from the way I was sitting, looking at Briar, Briar's like, Jim, 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 Jim. Behind you, behind you, behind, behind you. you. Yeah. Uh, uh, a hand came and plopped in, I don't know, five yards in the boat. And, of course, turned around. Because I knew he was looking at a duck, right? Turned right. around. It's already gone. Sean. <laughs> and Matt's yelling us, that bird it's was in, in the decoys. Spread. That bird was in the decoys. I'm like, dude, that sucker was behind us. And trust me, if it was in the decoys, I'd have shot it. <laughs> but I, the only reason I didn't shoot is because I couldn't see the bird. We had enough reeds in between where I was sitting in the boat yep. and where the duck was. I couldn't see duck. But I yeah. seen it come down, hit the reeds, and I knew it hit the water. Yeah, it was kind of like uh, where where were y'all sitting in in reference to where like where I sat with uh, my coworker and his son on um, Ducktail. Looking out, we were to your left. Okay, so you a little further. Was Matt over there where I was at? Matt and Matt. Or? Um, the, the team of Matt left. The team of Matt's were further left. Okay. There's the one the the one opening. Yeah. Okay. There's the main opening. Then there's the other opening. They were just left of the other opening. Gotcha, because we had that uh, the the early wood duck and teal were fortunate enough down here in Florida to be able to shoot wood ducks during early season. Yeah, um, and I went out with my coworker and his son who had never been duck hunting before, and we had a, a hen wood duck come in and, and land off to the right of the boat, and I had his son who was sitting in the middle of the boat stand up, and I leaned back, and he shot across me and water whacked that hen on the water. <laughs> that that was his first duck. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but the funniest part about that whole story was we're going on throughout the day and uh, his dad said something to him. He was moving around and I was like, you sit still. And I turned to his son and I said, hey, I want you to ask your dad one question. He looked at me and they were both looking at me. I said, you turn around and ask your dad. Say, you ever shot a duck? <laughs> <laughs> and his dad just goes, well, he's got a point. <laughs> What are the tra- tales of tragedy and woe can we tell? Oh, I, I got going back to crows. So these crows were buzzing all around us all morning. Oh, man. And finally, we have a crow, a little high, but not much. And this crow's flying into the wind, and like, it's hovering. Directly over the boat. It's sitting it's still. almost a bullseye shot. So I, I take my time, throw the shotgun up. I'm right off the nose, pull the trigger with steel shot. Feathers flying. Crow? Bye. The, the crow's just fla- like flapping, looking at Jim, like laughing at him. Chafe. 
<laughs> falling down. <laughs> and twice, twice, twice <laughs> I hit feathers on birds today. Crows, damn things. It came back and, and like, the second time. Yeah, steel shot. And Jim shooting It might have been the same damn bird. Four yeah. wood ducks. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. We need to find a place to have us a good crow shoot. Yeah. So we used to uh, go, we had our, uh, had a lease up in southeast Georgia. I would go up, because you can, in Georgia, at least you can, I don't know if you can do it here, you can use an electronic call for crows. Yeah, you can. So <clears throat> what I it's would do is just get up in the in the pine trees and hide in yeah. the pine trees and set the electric call on the edge and play a crow in distress. Oh, they come to help their buddy. Yeah, yeah they do. They'll, come, they'll be there in hordes. But as soon as you start shooting, they abandon ship. Unless you yeah. drop one, then they'll they'll stay there. But if you don't kill one, they'll abandon ship on you real quick. It's amazing. Um, there's a couple places where I've hunted them by boat, and they are thick. They are in the trees, and you can rip past those crows at 30 miles an hour on plane. They won't budge. You try to troll under those things. You try to just even from a great distance away. And they'll just keep hopping tree to tree to tree to tree to tree. Stay as you're going down the river, staying just outside of range. And if you're consistent though, eventually you'll you'll get up and you'll you'll catch a couple that for whatever reason, just because maybe the wind come around to bed and the wind changes. And when they try to go tree to tree, all of a sudden they, they can't quite get far enough away from you and you'll you'll pop them. But man, it's for being what appears to be a relatively simple bird, they're extremely intelligent. I, I think they yeah. are on the brighter side of the of of, of the bird kingdom. Yeah, because I have them. I get them in the backyard sometimes here, and I can stand here on my like back patio area and watch them. I can stand there and watch them, but if I walk into the garage and grab my slingshot, I'll walk back out to the exact same spot. They're gone. Yeah. As soon as I have a weapon in my hand, they fly away. Yep. Yep. Oh, and the frustrating thing about hunting the dang crows from boat is like. If you could hunt them under power, you could kill them. It's like they know. Yeah. It, if you're if you're under power, they'll sit there. But as soon as you change, because you can't, you can't, you know, you have to take the boat out of neutral and it's got to, it, it can't be moving under the power of the boat. As soon as there's a change, man, they're like, nope, that's different. I'm out. They're gone. That, that's all it takes is that little change and that's what sets them off and they'll jump out of the way. Hmm. It's, it's, it's fun and maddening at the same time because it should be... When I, the couple times I've done it, you go out there and say, we're gonna, we're, there's thousands of them. We're going we're gonna to hit limits. Yeah. You come back with three. <laughs> all, all day, three. It's yeah. tough. Crows crows are not stupid birds. Yeah. But, man, and I tell you, I, bird hunting is not easy. I, I've seen, it. I swear, some birds, doves especially, they're made of Kevlar. Feather missiles, man. And they're, ugh. They all do the same thing like you do with that crow today. Dude, you I've seen wood dove. ducks. I have literally, I've shot this wood duck like three times. Feathers flying. The thing does little, like it's going to fold. Like I had one fold up and then come to and fly off. Like nothing ever happened to it. <laughs> I was like, and it was, dude, it was 10 foot off the front of the boat. I waxed this sucker. It folded up. Oh. Evidently not that good. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. The reality is most of the time, it is the marksman. Um, 
Like I, like, so I missed that shot on that wood duck today. <laughs> Take it to the plug. Oh, birdie. That that was that was on me. Like I'm, I have no doubt, and I and I it sat there for half an hour afterwards. Like I had to really play it back through my mind, like thinking, but what, how, why did you miss? Because at the right. moment I was shocked with each one of those shots that that bird didn't fold up, but it didn't. So first ones, I really if I'm sitting there as it slows down, I'm like thinking about how the bird acted. I'm like, you were probably behind it. Second two, you were probably looking down on the bridge of the gun. Right. Probably sh- and if you're looking down on the bridge, you're shooting over it. So I think that's what happened. Um, you never know for sure, but you know, you think what's most likely and haven't been shooting like a lot since I was 12 years old. You start to diagnose your own problems. Probably not healthy. If I had a coach, they'd tell me for sure. But um, but there, there's some other things where I'm going with this whole ammunition thing. And I understand non-toxic shot and so dang hard to get the, I'd buy it. If I could get bismuth or tungsten or titanium or whatever, you know, you know anything heavy. But right now I am so down on straight steel because when you're watching feathers come off of birds, I mean, you, you hit them. You see, I may have even yeah. killed them. Maybe might not died all the middle of the next week, but. <laughs> Fit an alligator, Jim. So that's why that that's, you, you shoot the boss bismuth. Yes. And then I shoot uh, heavy steel, which has a bismuth mix in it. Um, you said that steel is copper plated too. It's right? copper plated steel mixed with bismuth. And it, that stuff is not as expensive as the bismuth that you're shooting. Yeah. I've been able to find it for uh, when ammo prices were high. I think the two boxes I bought this year, which I discovered I didn't need, but which is great now that I have them. But yeah. Um, they were. 28 bucks a box, 28, $30 a box, something like that yeah. at Bass Pro Shops. Yeah. Um, and then yours, if you bought your shells per box at Bass Pro Shops, oh, those, well, um, you're buying a case, so you're getting a discount. I'm buying, I'm buying 200 shells. And like, they don't sell the ball shells. You have to buy ball shells from ball shells, shot shells. You can't go to Bass Pro Shop right. and pick up a box of right. ball shells. But if you want to buy a box of heavy shot, yeah, the bismuth, I don't know if there's, I don't even know if there's steel in it. Which is, if I can get it, even though every time, every time I go buy a box of stuff, I, I think like I, they're gonna run my credit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> those, those are, like they should be sending you out with security when you buy that stuff. Especially I mean, like that the, is, it, especially a, when you're hunting geese and when you're hunting geese and cranes, big birds. Yeah, and, yeah. and a lot of times at distance, at distance, man. When you hit those things, they fold up. Oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't blink twice at shooting bismuth double BB at, at cranes yeah. or geese. I but mean, BB steel. You got them standing in the field, twenty five yards away, in the lined pelts, up like a turkey head, and you're having to unload all three to drop one bird when you're shooting straight steel. I, yeah, and I mean, I haven't done it both ways. The, the, there's <laughs> The conclusion, it's expensive. Spend the money on the ammo. Now you can. I can. Tell You're not you, saving money by shooting steel. Briar yeah. can tell you for a fact that you can stone cold kill a wood duck with three and a half inch triple BB steel. <laughs> Straight up, kill it. <laughs> he came up to hunt with us when I was uh, living in Georgia one time. He's like, he's all the, the shells. This is what I got. Got some shells from Bass Pro Shops. All they had. 
And I said, Briar. No, it wasn't all they had. It was I went the only three and a half inch shell. They it was had. the only three and a half. It was the only three and a half that was reasonably priced because I, I did I, what I looked at was three and a half and price tag, and I did not look at shot size. He came up there to hunt <laughs> wood ducks with three and a half inch triple BB. <laughs> yeah. He killed them all right. That's for sure. I turned them inside out. I turned that squirrel up inside out too. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. I don't mind clubbing up on them just on anything, whether it's squirrels or. Like I said, I, I don't mind shooting a larger projectile. Yeah. Like, I don't mind choking down to twos even on ducks, but I'm going to open up my choke. Yeah. And, and part of the reason for that is. For the same reason, to, to a certain extent, same reason I don't shoot nines at squirrels. You, you just you open up the hide and ping, 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 ping. Yeah, full of BBs. I'd rather have fewer yeah. BBs in it, man. I mean, and, and although my shooting today was just abysmal, and I, well, that's another problem. I'm, I'm being hypocritical because I have not practiced. Yeah, and and that's 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 on me. I, I need right. to go to the range. But normally you spend you spend an adequate amount of time in the range and you're knocking things down and you get comfortable and it becomes reflex. So you again then opening up the choke also open up opens up your pattern a little bit. Throw a little bit heavier object in them. It's gonna it's, get into the whole physics. It's gonna travel. It's gonna have more uh, momentum behind it when it actually makes contact with the bird. You should knock them down. But you have to still, you still have to have the mass, which is why like in a physics lesson I can't stand the steel. It's just not heavy enough. So I, it doesn't I, penetrate. I try not to change my choke. I find a choke that works best for me, and I leave that one in the gun. Now, yeah. I might change that from, like, to a turkey choke to hunt turkey out of my shotgun or something like that. But as far as, like, wing shooting, I will shoot the same choke that I shoot for ducks, that I will shoot for dove, that I will shoot at squirrels. I will shoot the same choke in that shotgun. So what uh, what choke are you running your sh- choke shot combo? Are you running your shotgun? Uh, well, I brought my shot size down this year, and I, I'm sh- actually shooting two and three quarters. But I'm shooting two and three quarter number five ball shells with what choke? Oh, stop factory modified. Factory modified. So I'm shooting three inch uh, number four um, heavy steel. Yeah, uh, with a Carlson's. Uh, mid-range, which is slightly tighter. I mean, just a hair tighter yeah. than modified. Uh, that's what I like about those Carlson's waterfowl chokes is that I have a a uh, close range, which is slightly tighter than improved cylinder, and then your mid-range is slightly <clears throat> tighter than modified, and then your long range is slightly just a hair looser than a tight choke. Yeah. And they're made for shooting steel. Yeah. So I, and I I got them on Amazon for eighty bucks for the whole set. So you know, as I'm thinking this through, the, the normally when I'm if I'm opening up the choke and shooting larger projectors, larger BBs, mm-hmm. and opening up the choke, I just realized the flaw that I had. Because normally I'm doing press. that with lead, mm-hmm. or I'm doing it with like I said, heavy shot, good quality shot. I just realized I'm sitting there. I'm like, well, that's the problem, dummy. You're then also shooting a lighter, pr- the ste- even though the, the bigger BBs, they're still steel. Mm-hmm. Steel doesn't. Compress. So opening up the well, yeah, but it's the whole point is that each each individual BB is a lot lighter. Like if you get into reloading yeah. and things like that, you can't use lead 
loading data to reload shield steel. It, yeah. You'll you'll damage yourself. Um. So by opening up the pattern, you're still throwing a larger BB out there, but not as many of them. So you're reducing the total impact. You might only be having one or two BBs where if it was heavy or if it's lead, does the job. Where those one or two BBs on that same bird, we well, can't shoot birds and we can't shoot ducks with lead, right? When doing that with steel, I'm, 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 I was hurting myself today, which might be one of the reasons why, for instance, those crows didn't go down. I oh, didn't hit possible. them with enough BBs, even though they're larger BBs. Yeah. Still, they just didn't have the, the impact power at contact. Yeah. So back to full choke. Well, you can't shoot full, but I got to back to modified choke. Well, y'all, y'all heading back out in the morning? Yeah. 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 Gonna set back up different spot. I hope. Oh man, I get just in time for a nap. <laughs> Lake Skeeter. Yeah. Well, you're not gonna go out tonight and, and go out there and, and sit in the boat. Nope. But doing it but, alone. But done that. <laughs> you doing it by yourself. <laughs> I, I I my one time doing that this season's over with. I got it out of the way first thing. Well, I'm glad y'all got it out of the way for I was able to get out in the boat. Good lord, because I ain't doing that crap. <laughs> I'll probably wind up doing it. I'll sleep at the boat ramp again, but I ain't sleeping in the boat. I might sleep in the boat at the boat ramp. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, there are instances where I would, I would sleep in the boat. There are some spots where that's just probably the best idea. Yeah, and like we said, you know, last year we did it. We didn't have it. We we thought we felt like we didn't have any other choice. Yeah, um, we probably did, but yeah, good. it really wasn't that busy when we showed back up the next morning at that ramp. It just yeah. appeared that way when we left. No, it was fairly busy. Not crappie, I remember. Some of those guys might have been crappie fishermen. It's it's, it's very true. It's, that's very well possible that they were going to fish crappie in the econ. Well, what do y'all got for a tip of the week? You know what? Know your shotgun. Man, it comes down to patterning your shotgun. You can't yeah. just... Because, you know, we sat there and patterned that... that shotgun you had well i patterned it last year with with uh same shot but number twos instead of fives yeah and i see everything's the same material i'm not it's not like i'm going from steel number twos to number five business i'm going from business this size business to this size same brand i don't think it's pattern any different it's going to be a little more dense and more pellets but you took the time to actually set up a piece of paper and do it. Yeah. 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 Jim? Mine's along the same tip. It's going to be about gear, but um, ancillary gear that you wouldn't necessarily equate fully with hunting, but it's it's outdoor gear. Um, having it having it at the ready, because when Briar informed me that at 11 o'clock last night, like, get dressed, we're going out. Um, and I was already running on three hours of sleep or something like that. Yeah, I was like, "Oh man!" But fortunately, I did have an air mattress, and uh, you know, because unfortunately, I've got sleep apnea, but I've got a CPAP machine that runs on a battery, and um, and I know how to charge it in the car and all those other things. Um, I was able to gear that up, and and for what, and then sleep on the front of his boat, which is not very big, but I was able to get comfortable. And I'm just using that as one single example of if you want to live this outdoor life take the time to accumulate the gear that you need to be comfortable. Cause every year I say, I'm not doing that again this year. Like yeah. I, I, I've got, I used to log it all. So I've got 
I've got what I know now is pushing without counting camper camping or anything like that, 200 and some odd nights in the woods, um, which is a, it's a fair amount, even though it's a, it's a, it's a lifetime accumulation, not counting when I was a child, but as an adult, I've got 200 and some odd nights in the woods. I, I mean, I hate to almost admit this, like I'm getting to the point where I don't enjoy it much anymore. Right. <laughs> like, you know, it's like the inconvenience, the aches and pains of getting older. Um, but what allows me to keep doing it and even doing it at a moment's notice Probably is because gear. I got good gear. Yeah. Yeah. Get good gear. If you you're, know, especially if you want to do this for a long time. I mean, I imagine the average guy listening to our podcast is half my age. So. You know, the, uh, the army ruined me of camping. It's not fun anymore. <laughs> yeah. But I watched you lay down on the bottom of that damn metal boat, just you and your dog. I was like, forget that. <laughs> you won't be doing that in 20 years, buddy. That also taught him he can, the army also taught him he can sleep absolutely anywhere <laughs> I, I i slept on a metal grate in the army one time in the seat of a humvee and a, everywhere i'd slept anywhere i, I would say how old are you bro i am 30 30 30 30 at that at that yeah, I could at, too at, 30. at that time i was like 21 22 yeah <laughs> i i would say along the lines of gear like you were talking about jim is is just invest in some good rain gear oh yeah and yeah. uh another thing too if you're if you're uh you're hunting in those uninsulated uh, breathable waders and when they finally get that pinhole and you're like you know what these things are garbage oh but they're not what they just turned into rain gear is a daggum good set of rain pants just because yeah. they got a pinhole in the butt crack does not mean they're going to leak when they're just raindrops on them yeah and dude i wish it's hard to find any place now that actually makes rain gear that are bib pants yeah they're just want to give you like pants to pull on over your jeans or whatever yeah that keeps you dry ish but if you had bibs that come up past the waistline that that's yeah. how that's what really keeps the water out when it's running down your body game changers man yeah, yeah. that's the whole thing is is uh and when i was a younger fella i used to embrace the suck i did man i i would i would actually i would take less gear because i don't want to be over encumbered just by the the hassle or the mm-hmm. weight or whatever or having to put it away or do laundry or I can come up with a million excuses. I'd go out undergeared and say, man, I'm going to tough it out. And it would. It would be tough and sometimes downright miserable. And at the end of it, I felt like I got some sort of man shed or whatever. Did I mention 200 and some on Nights in the Woods? I don't need any more of them. And now I look back at it in retrospect and maybe I do appreciate those adventures a little bit. But damn, I spent some really uncomfortable nights and uncomfortable mornings or, or didn't sleep at all because it was too cold and I couldn't get warm. It was yeah. just dumb. I've been there. <laughs> yeah. I've been Ooh, there. way to go, tough guy. I remember mine being too cold. I was in, in California. It yeah. was not fun. Sitting in the rain with no cheap gear with the winds blowing. <laughs> <laughs> we have f- f- fun. No. Yeah. Jim, it sounded like you needed a whoopie. Oh, dude, I'll take a whoopie. That so, thing is amazing. I'll throw another tip in there is, is layers. Yeah, layers yeah. are, well, 100, 110 days out of 100 beat a, a, a big, thick jacket and a yeah. T-shirt because uh, you you can have that big, thick jacket and you might be warm just like I am. But as soon as it starts to warm up, you're like, God dang, I I'm had, hot. All you got is a T-shirt. I had, I had four layers with me. This morning? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I had I had, it, it I had two T-shirts, and I didn't know how heavy the rain was. Yeah, I mean, it may only be sixty, but if you add wind and water in there, 
So yeah. I had a little heavier waterproof jacket. I mean, it wasn't nothing thick, but I had two t-shirts. I had a light rain jacket, and then I had that, the, like a little heavier one. Don't discount 60 degrees, man. You can still get hypothermia in 60 degrees. Yeah, it, yeah. but like I said, you throw in wind. You throw yeah. it, the weather forecast was calling for a 10 to 20 mile an hour wind, plus you throw in a 30 40% chance of rain. On top of that, well, how heavy is the rain going to be? Right. So if you're soaked at 66 degrees in a 20-mile-an-hour wind, you're freezing your butt off. Yeah. I got cold in the summertime in Iraq because I was pressure washing all day. Yeah. I was cold in the desert in the summertime because I was wet and there was a breeze blowing. Right. Isn't that funky, though, when you get out of that environment and you're cold and you're hot? Like your core temperatures drop, but also yeah. your outside starts to... Yeah, sweat. It, it was it it was a <laughs> you really get sick that way. I like think. it was a it was a really weird feeling because I was like cold and I'm like, it's not cold outside. It's like ninety degrees, but I was wet. Yeah, you know. But you wait till you see me show up for that trip to Kentucky, man. I'm gonna show up with a hockey bag full of gear. Oh, I, I got a whole box full of it. Speaking Snow of Kentucky, suit. speaking of Kentucky, we're we're an hour and a half in. If you started at eight o'clock in the morning, then. Right now, we should be pushing five hours. We're getting close to Atlanta, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully we're getting close to Atlanta. Knock on wood, because we ain't left yet. But <laughs> we'll be on the road when this airs. We'll catch y'all next week.